Simple Suttas, a podcast on original Buddhism. Visit us at simplesuttas.wordpress.com. So uh, a couple of weeks ago, I put out the word. Uh, would anybody uh, in the Simple Suttas listening audience be interested in having some conversations about Dhamma? And almost immediately, I heard from David is it Trellis or Treyas? Treyas, yeah. Treyas. Oh, thank you. Okay, sorry about that. And uh, yeah, I uh, was kind of shocked to find out that not only is he just up the road, uh, 45 minutes away, uh, not only are we both uh, classical musicians, uh, violinist, composer, mm-hmm. and, uh, organist, and so on, um, that we're both uh, practicing in the Sri Lankan community and have mm-hmm. that in common as well. So no, no more than one degree of separation any way you look. <laughs> That's right. But David, you want to just uh, introduce yourself? Uh, yeah, I guess I don't really know what to say other than I'm David. I've been studying Buddhism uh, pretty intensely for probably about four or five years. Um, I'm meditating in that time as well. Uh, other than that, yeah, classical musician. I teach a lot of students in the Twin Cities. It's uh, something fun for me to do, and uh, it's best uh, best life I could really ask for, I guess. That's fantastic. Well, let's just jump right in. We, we, we thought today what we would do is talk about Anatta, and in particular the uh, Anatta Lakana Sutta. So uh, both uh, interested in the suttas, of course, and uh, thought that would be kind of a nice focus for our conversation. So uh, I'd actually written about the, uh, the, the sutta before just a little bit. It's, a, it's kind of one of the famous suttas of mm-hmm. the canon, the, the second cardinal discourse, the second uh, sort of Dhamma talk that the Buddha mm-hmm. gave. Uh, it was uh, the one where all of the uh, original ascetics, his original followers, mm-hmm. five, uh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, became uh, enlightened in that moment. So uh, it's a pretty, uh, pretty big one. Uh, but it's also a little, I think, mysterious. You know, it's one of those when you read it and, uh, you know, the first time and you kind of think, what is this? I don't. You know, I'm, I'm yeah. not sure the translation is a translation. And then on top of it, you look at the translations, and uh, uh, you know, I, I just very quickly found mm-hmm. four or five different translations. Sure. A lot, uh, a lot in common, but a lot also uh, uh, really different. So, um, you know, right from the beginning, you've got the the, the word anatta, mm-hmm. uh, which is very kind of mysterious a word. You, you it is. It's uh, it's like a controversial word, I'd right, almost say. Right. It's uh, right off the bat, uh, we get people saying that means no self. Uh, we get other people saying it means not self. Mm-hmm. And uh, then the imp- implications thereof are, are huge, of course, depending on how you look at that. Right, right. I, I went to the uh, the Poly-English Dictionary, the, uh, the concise Poly-English Dictionary, and it gives us soulless or non-ego, mm-hmm. which is another one of those. You, you mm. think non-ego, you know, <laughs> is that a definition or is that just another question? <laughs> right, exactly. I mean, too, like, you know, once again, uh, as far as ego goes, that word, people love to toss that around. I, I don't see it existing anywhere in the suttas. Uh, <laughs> right. right. It's not even a concept that's uh, really talked about. Uh, we talk about, you know, a psychological self and ego obviously has a very strong connotation of Freud and what we think of here. And just simply not the case, not even close to what uh, I, I believe that we're talking about in this kind of idea. Well, uh, what do you? What would you say that your uh, is the self that this uh, not self is talking about? Well, I mean, he's talking to me. He, the Buddha. He, the Buddha. No, yeah. you just refer uh, to him as he. That's sure. Right, yeah. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> uh, he. I think here in this case, he's talking about um, very much a sense of a spiritual self, mm-hmm. which is not what we had with Freud. Freud was talking about simply the way that psychology operates. Um, and very much in this case, he is talking about um, uh, in the context of multiple lives, in the context of some sort of soul essence, yeah. right? Um, and Freud not talking about those things at all. Um, 
I, and I think that that's a, a big part of what gets into the kind of religious versus secular debate. Um, obviously, I fall very strongly on the religious side, um, and, and other people don't. But, um, you know, when he starts talking about uh, the way that we create ourselves, obviously, and we talk about that very clearly in the Suda, um, he talks about the way in which this is kind of created, and it travels from, once again, from life to life. Um, and, and is that something worth identifying with? Is it not something worth identifying with? And, and why or why not? What are the consequences when we take those actions? Well, yeah, no, of course, nobody can see, but I'm shaking my head. I think that's a, that's a good way of looking at it. And actually, to me, what it sounds like you're saying is a lot more like the older definition, the uh, no soul definition, what, what this uh, this uh, poly English dictionary gives us, mm-hmm. no, no soul, no self. Uh, and I would, and once again, and, and I would tweak that just a bit. For me, it's not no soul or no self. It's not not soul. And not, not soul. Not yeah, self. yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. N- not a subtle uh, distinction here, but I think uh, at least arguable, right? Mm-hmm. Least, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Well, maybe the thing to do is to uh, jump right in and read a little bit of the sutta. And, and absolutely. And there. So I, I have up uh, four different translations here, but the one we were looking at was the, uh, the Bhikkhu Bodhi translation. So mm-hmm. this is uh, Samyukta Nikaya 22. Uh, 59, the characteristic of non-self, as he translates it. Mm -hmm. Thus have I heard on one occasion the Blessed One was dwelling at Varanasi at the deer park in Isipatana. There the Blessed One addressed the bhikkhus of the group of five, thus, bhikkhus. Venerable sir, the bhikkhus replied, the Blessed One said, bhikkhus, form is non-self. So there it is, right off the bat, form Mm -hmm. is non-self. And uh, just, uh, just comparing it here, uh, this is the uh, Mendes uh, version. He says, uh, form, O monks, is not self. Uh, and uh, in the, uh, let's see, this is the Nyanamoli Terra uh, version. He says, because form is not self. So there's not self versus non-self versus, and then uh, this is in the uh, Tanisro, uh, form, monks, is not self, which I was surprised to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but, uh, but there it is. So all, all uh, along the same lines here. Mm-hmm. Form uh, meaning what? Well, uh, he gives a very clear definition of form, and that's one of the things that uh, that is is so important to me is that I try not to look at the commentary literature for how we define these terms, but I try to look, um, is there any sutta in which he himself defines the terms that he's giving? He interestingly gives um, two major definitions that I can think of in Samyutta Nikaya, and I'm sure there might be more. Um, one is actually fairly vague. He says, <laughs> what is the form? Uh, why do I call it the form? He says, because it's deformed. What is it deformed by? It's deformed by heat. It's deformed by cold. It's deformed by pain. It's deformed by hunger, right? Um, and so kind of actually a, a very strange definition. That is a strange definition. Um, another one, the very classical definition that we see again and again and again is uh, form is the four great elements. And from somebody, a modern perspective, people, you know, really just turn off right here. Um, and I think that that's unfortunate because... Um, what he's talking about is he says, you know, the earth property, the fire property, the water property, the air property. And if we want to look at this in the way that we might in more modern, we'd say just simply solids, liquids, uh, gases, and uh, energy of some type. He talks about the fire property as being the thing that makes us grow old, the thing that helps us digest food. (laughs) Um, And so we're talking about some sort of metabolism. Uh, and, you know, the interesting thing to me is that if we get really caught up in this, oh, we know that the four classical elements are all just BS, that's not the way that it really works, we have protons and electrons and all this stuff, and we know all this stuff that they didn't know back then, um, we're missing the point of the teaching entirely. Because um, one thing I would say is that when you talk about the four classical elements and just, you know, relating to, you know, solids, liquids, energy, stuff like that, 
it's stuff that we can sense in our meditation. It's something that we can see and get a hold of and really feel. And by being able to do that, uh, we can, in some terms, negate it, seeing that we don't have anywhere near as much control over it as we would like. And once again, the, the consequences of us clinging to that is going to be suffering. And um, if we were to say, oh, well, okay, I want to think about it as, you know, carbon, carbon and hydrogen and uh, oxygen and all this kind of stuff, well, that's fine. That's another way that we could break it down. But once again, I think that if we sit there and we meditate on that, we're not going to be able to get a hold of that as strongly as just sing, sitting there and, and uh, peeling out the body parts. Yeah, I, th- I think that's uh, that, that's right on. I mean, I think maybe, you know, one thing I, I kind of um, understand about these these translations of the suttas is they want to be as precise as possible. Mm-hmm. They, they, they don't want to say more or less than what the, is there in the original text. But you end up with these kind of nests of uh, vocabulary terms where yes. everything has to be defined and then redefined and then mm-hmm. uh, rupa, uh, rupa, which is the, the word that's being translated as form here, it just means stuff. Hmm. You know, mm-hmm. it's, it's just sure. stuff, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, it's the, the you know, like you said, solids, liquids, gases. It's just physical objects. Yep. Uh, and then uh, with the addition of energy, uh, everything. Uh, but I, I think um, uh, you know, choosing the simplest word that doesn't get you too. Uh, too confused, but on the other hand, is approximately right. Mm-hmm. Is kind of the, the the mission of simple suttas. Right? Absolutely, they, they get, sure. get you a, a a pretty good approximation of what we're talking about here. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's not just any stuff, right? Mm-hmm. So so you know the, this uh, this uh, coffee cup beside me here that that's uh, that's rupa, mm-hmm. but I, I'm never going to confuse that for myself. Right. Exactly. So, uh, all yeah. of these are talking about things that you might take to be and uh, when you know what the definition I've started using. You know, a soul makes sense, mm-hmm. and we'll we'll talk about you know. Some, some later that seem more like it's talking about a soul. Self makes sense. But what I've been using lately is like capital T, true self. Sure. This is my true self. Yes, absolutely. Yep. So there's no question that you would mistake the coffee cup for your true self or any of these kind of exterior objects. Mm-hmm. So I think particularly what it's talking about is the form that we might mistake for our true yes, self, which absolutely. is this body, this yep. uh, yeah, this breath, this uh, uh, the, the, this blood, this you know yeah. the, these physical objects, this yeah. uh, energy of motion, and so on. Sure. I mean, in other places too. In in this specific teaching, he doesn't get into it, but uh, you know he will. Uh, in other suttas, he'll say you know external forms, internal forms. You know, forms that are far away, forms that are near. I mean, he, and actually maybe he does get it. It's any kind of form, right? And uh, it's interesting that you should say the coffee cup, right? Um, because uh, one of the things that he goes out of his way to point out in uh, other ones is that uh, the coffee cup is made of the same elements that your body is, yeah. and you should see them as being essentially equal. Like, <laughs> you, once again, you said, I would never confuse the coffee cup as being myself, right? But anything that is inside of you or, you know, you have some modicum of control over, okay, I want to move my arm, my arm moves, right? We do. We get confused very easily. When really, there we know, and that's, once again, even if we don't want to break it down as the four classical elements, we want to break it down as, say, you know, protons, neutrons, and electrons, mm-hmm. they're made of the exact same stuff. <laughs> well, in about five minutes, that coffee in that coffee cup is going to be internal to me. <laughs> and uh, by the end of the day, it will be a part of my body. Yep. <laughs> so maybe I should be a little confused <laughs> about what's me or not. Okay, well, let me, uh, so that, that, that gets us the first sentence of the, the meat of it here. Uh, bhikkhu's form is non-self. For if bhikkhu's form were self, this form would not lead to affliction. And it would be possible to have it of form, let my form be thus, let my form not be thus. But because my form is not self, or non-self rather, uh, form leads to affliction, and it is not possible to have it be a form, let this form be thus, let this form not be thus. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know, what do you think of that argument? Do you buy that? 
Um, you know, for a long time I didn't. <laughs> I'll be honest. Um, and the thing is, uh, the way that I look at it now, once again, is this is about a choice that we are all making, right? It is not a declarative statement of a philosophy. It is a statement about what are the consequences if we make this choice, right? Um, we make this choice to be the, the body as ourselves. How much are we going to suffer for that? And how much do we actually see that in modern society, right? People with beautiful bodies are elevated to this amazing status. Now, sure, they work out and they do those. They maybe eat right or whatever, but it's genetics, right? It has absolutely <laughs> nothing to do with them or who they are. And a lot of times they're doing, you know, extreme things, uh, whether it's extreme dieting and having problems with anorexia, bulimia, or uh, extreme surgeries. You look at Kim Kardashian from 10 years ago. She looks not even similar to the way that she does now. Her face has completely changed, right? And here, very clearly, we have people with the confusion, the form is myself, right? And um, now, once again, whether uh, that means that there is some sort of true self and there's a death and there's a rebirth or anything, completely outside of the picture. We're not even talking about that, in my opinion, right now. Uh, we're simply talking about if I hold this philosophy, if I hold this philosophy that this body is my true self, how many ways am I going to suffer and how awful is life going to be for me in many ways? Well, I don't disagree with any of that, but uh, but just for fun, let me sure. uh, let me let me push on that a little yeah. bit. Uh, you, you said I, that uh, that this is not a statement of a philosophy, but it kind of sounds like it is. I mean, I think he's mm -hmm. making an argument here. He's saying, if my form, if my body was my true self, then I would have control over it. Essentially, mm -hmm. I could say, let it be this, let it not be this way, let me not be sick, let me be taller, yep. let me be thinner, whatever. Let me be taller, let me be thinner, right. let me not age, let me not die. Yeah. Right, right, right. But on the other hand. While it's true that I, mm -hmm. if I can say that, uh, don't have total control over my body, mm -hmm. I absolutely do sense that I have some control over my body. Sure. So absolutely. you said, uh, for example, that ah, it's just genetics, you know, whether you're, you're tall or thin or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I was a lot fatter a few years ago absolutely, and at some point sure. thought, well, I need to be a little healthier and, mm -hmm. and, uh, and lost weight. Uh, I, I can, uh, you know, uh, be outside in the sun and, and roast my skin, or I can, t you know, put on clothes or be inside and and uh, and not get sunburns. I, I feel like while there's, I feel like mm -hmm. sure. while I don't have total control, I don't have no control either. If that makes mm -hmm. sense. No, um, and he makes uh, he makes a distinct argument in one of the other suttas, and and I wish I, you know, I, I wish that in my brain I had better annotations. Um, the one that he makes is uh, there's somebody that, that does come before him and they say, well, I really think that the form is myself. He says, cool. So um, <laughs> think of uh, in, you know, a king, and he names one. I can't think of who he names. Uh, and he says, now that king, does he have the power within his domain uh, to kill anyone that he wants, have anybody killed? He says, absolutely. Does he have any the power to have anyone banished, whoever he wants, right? Yes, absolutely. Um, does he have the power to have, you know, anybody's wealth taken and just given to him? says absolutely that's why we call it his kingdom is because he has just total control over it um and so then he says okay well what about the body do you have the the, the power to make your body oh i want to make my you know body adamantine hardness right all this <laughs> kind of stuff and it's very clear that we don't have that level of control i agree that we do have some control um however i guess the thing that i would counter with is that um when we talk about the big things uh, aging sickness death we have uh, well, for sickness, n almost no control. Hmm. Uh, some, right, depending on how we live our life. For aging, literally none. Uh, for death, literally none. 
Um, we have no control over those things um, other than, you know, to take your own life. You can shorten your lifespan. But as far as when it time comes time to die, you're dying, you know. Well, I think uh, that's a kind of a you know a, an interesting assertion there. You say if we if we do have some control, because here the Buddha seems to be saying, uh, you know, you don't have control, and if you do have some control, then um, immediately the question is, now who is it that has some control? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, that is yeah, and I think uh, in in for him he'd probably say intention the intention aggregate. Yeah, is the yeah. thing that has control, and that once again, that would be not self. Well, there you go. So I, I think that's I think that's it. It kind of leads you down this path, right? Yeah. So if there is this body, maybe we don't directly control the body, but ah, maybe there's some mentality behind sure. it that's yep. the, the that's the controller there. So okay, we need to like uh, take a take a step further. But by, <laughs> by the way, it j- just as an aside, you know, it seems like when I read the suttas that the Buddha had this feeling that well, let's start easy. The body obviously is not self. We don't <laughs> right, need to spend exactly. too much time on that. Yeah. Whereas if you look at kind of the the, the modern uh, uh, you know materialist worldview mm-hmm. that it's taken to be quite obvious that... The body is, is the self. Absolutely. Yep. Absolutely. There, there can't be anything else. Right, right, right. Yeah. right. Uh, and that any kind of uh, uh, mental function a- a- at all can be in some way reduced to bodily functions. Yes. Um, you know, essentially just down to uh, chemistry. Yeah, right. yeah. Well, it's, a, it's a, not an easy debate to have with, uh, with some people because there is an incredible level of... Uh, you know, our, our brain is a physical organ. Absolutely. And manipulating our brain does have some, uh, you know, incredible impact on our mm-hmm. psychological states. Absolutely, yeah. I, I think there's this one line from, uh, I want to say, uh, the, the Christmas Carol, mm-hmm. where uh, he, uh, Scrooge says something like, uh, you know, I could be happy or miserable depending on what I ate last night. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I can't remember the exact line, but, uh, you know, something mm-hmm. like, uh, you know, eating one, you know, uncooked bit of stew could feel like I'm being attacked by demons. Right. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, good. So, so, uh, so much for, uh, for the body. Let's, uh, let's look at this next one here. He says, uh, feeling is non-self. And then in all these translations, they just uh, have the repetition. So mm-hmm. if, essentially, if I had full control over my feelings, uh, then uh, I would uh, be able to say that my feelings were myself. Yes. And, uh, and again, I ask, uh, you know, that to, to me, that sort of makes sense that we have, at the very least, limited control over our feelings. And we should talk about what is exactly meant by feeling yes. here. Yes. And I think that that's, that is, uh, that's the rub right there. Right, right. Um, is that uh, we associate this word feeling with, uh, you know, emotional states here. Happiness, sadness, all these kind of things. This isn't what he's talking about. Hmm. Uh, he is talking about, uh, well, three feelings. I'll, I'll go with three feelings, but there's a famous <laughs> debate. You know the debate that sure, I'm talking sure. about where the one guy comes and says, oh, well, the Buddhists talk of three feelings. And the guy's, no, no, no. He said, talk to five feelings. Oh, no, no, no. Don't, don't say that about the Tathagata. The Tathagata would never say five feelings. He always said three feelings. <laughs> <laughs> right. <His> numbers. <laughs> um, but uh, the most, most times when he talks about feelings, he talks simply about three. And they come through the sense bases. Now, once again, we have to know what the sense bases are. Um, we all know what the five senses are, uh, more or less. But in uh, in Buddhist, uh, I guess you want to call it psychology or whatever, uh, the mind is the sixth base of contact. It's the sixth sense. And so when he talks about feelings, he talks about either a pleasant feeling, uh, an unpleasant feeling, or a neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling. 
now it's kind of funny. People say, well, why don't you just you know, go ahead and call this a quantumist feeling? Well, there's because once again, a quantumist has a very, very strict and specific definition <laughs> involving the fourth jhana. Um, and so you have... Uh, I think that's it with some of these translations that we're stumbling all over ourselves trying to have enough words that English just doesn't have right. an, as many words to describe certain mental qualities yes. as Polly does. And so we end up trying to find these obscure synonyms so as not to stumble <laughs> over the... You know, it, it, makes it, uh, it makes it complicated. And sometimes I wonder if it's unnecessarily complicated. Sure. Uh, but uh, in any case, right, the, this kind of instantaneous reaction. Yeah, I guess I would, you know, one of the terms that I've heard tossed around is, I think, hedonic tone. <laughs> right? right? Of course, hedonic tone. <laughs> of course, I know exactly what that means, right? <laughs> it's all clear now. <laughs> yeah, I, I think, uh, you know, in the same way that body uh, is this kind of uh, gross Thing that every living creature has. I have a body, a clam has a body, uh, mm-hmm. you know, a, a tree has a body or something like that. That Vedana, this uh, word for feeling, is like a little bit more subtle. Here you're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, it's the beginning of qualia, the, the, the beginning yes. of, you know, how do I feel about it? Mm-hmm. But on the absolute simplest, most basic level. So, mm-hmm. you know, you could take a, a, a bacterium and shine a light on it, and that bacterium will either, depending on the circumstance, either find it pleasant or unpleasant That's or correct. not care, right? Yeah. So it, th- this is that level of mentality. Yes, Instantaneously, is it a pleasant feeling, uh, you know, when I touch my hand on this hot stove, mm-hmm. is it an unpleasant feeling or do I not care? Does it produce attraction or aversion? There you go. Or in the case of a neither pleasant nor unpleasant feeling, uh, ignorance mostly is, is it just gets ignored. This is the level on which we're often um, appealed to, if that's the word, in, uh, say, advertising. Yes. You know, it, it, it seems kind of like I would uh, I would not want to think I would be fooled into thinking that's myself. Mm-hmm. But in fact, we are all the time. Absolutely. You know, the, the, literally there is this equation, what do you love, what do you like, what do you want, that's the true you. Express yep. yourself by what you buy. Express yourself mm-hmm. by what you love. Express yourself by what you want. And not in that deeply thought out, this is what I want to want kind of sure. feeling, but rather go from the gut. Yep. What do you love? What do you want? I want food. I want sex. I want money. Yes. I want, you know, and uh, I think that's the level we're talking about with Vedna. With, yeah, with absolutely. Yeah. Well, what do you think? Is is it a compelling argument that if uh, I don't have full control over my instantaneous uh, feelings about something, that uh, that that's proof that it's not my true self? Well, um, once again, I would argue uh, there's consequences for taking that feeling as a self. <laughs> um, and, and whether or not that's a true self, whether or not that re- rebirth or goes to heaven or just dies when we, when we uh, go on the ground, you know, uh, I, I wouldn't even bother with those questions a lot of times. It's just simply, well, what are the consequences, right? And he does, not in this sutta, but in another sutta, he goes into uh, great detail of that uh, if somebody thought that they were concomitant with the feelings, right? Well, there's three feelings. There's a positive, you know, once again, pleasant, unpleasant, or neither pleasant nor unpleasant. Um, And he says, okay, well, if you're the pleasant feeling, the pleasant feeling goes away and then an unpleasant uh, feeling takes its place. What's happened to you, right? Um, where are you now, right? <laughs> you're not there. You were, were you there before, and now you're this new feeling, or you know, right? And I think that a lot of people are not going to have that problem, um, although some people might. It's much more. Uh, I am the one that feels, and that's the one that we get into a lot. And he goes into great detail about um, what the consequences of that would be. Um, and his uh, his argument is, he says, okay, well. If you were to, if feeling were to cease altogether and everywhere, is there anything that could have the idea or the thought, I am 
in that in that place of the complete cessation of feeling and and you have to come back with well no if if i'm the one that feels and feeling completely disappears um there's no way that that thing that feels could have the idea i am it couldn't make the statement Hmm. and um once again now this is where i would work this into a uh a kind of uh thing uh thinking about uh once again the uh, attainments uh, the meditative attainments. And I think that uh, obviously the highest one that he lists of the non-material attainments is the complete cessation of feeling and perception. And for example, I can intellectually right now say, I don't believe that I'm the one that feels. And I really believe that intellectually, but I get caught up constantly, oh, um, yes. right? Um, I have coffee and it feels so pleasant. And I go, oh, yes, right? Um, I don't care if I want or not. <laughs> exactly. I this coffee. Exactly. This is amazing, right? And, uh, and, you know, I really think that the only way that that can be dealt with um, is, is by attaining the cessation of feeling perception. And he says that if you were to attain cessailing, uh, cessation of feeling perception, that immediately become anagami. Um, so, you know, I am done that good part. To me. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I think you're right, and I think uh, you can take it from another direction, too, is that, you know, the, there are these lower life forms that are not thought of as having any kind of, um, you know, that we wouldn't think of as having a, an ego sure. or soul, a self, mm-hmm. that nevertheless perce- uh, perceive or nevertheless experience Vedna. They, they yeah. nevertheless perceive this is a good feeling, this is a bad feeling, this is yeah, right or wrong. Even the level of our individual cells, you know, mm-hmm. respond to stimuli either positively or negatively. And you wouldn't say that you know my uh, you know my skin cell has has a self, right? Uh, yeah. Perhaps you wouldn't. <laughs> so if you wouldn't, then you'd have to kind of agree. Well, Vedna is not my true self, right? You know, uh, but mm-hmm. but then I think in the same way that you you would say, okay, well, form isn't myself, but maybe mentality is. Sure. You would have to say, why is Vedna not my true self? Well, I can look at what I'm immediately attracted to or repelled by, mm-hmm. and I can choose. I, again, in mm-hmm. quotes, yeah, yeah. Uh, can choose to react to it or not, right? Yep. This is the whole part, of, this is the whole idea of, of spiritual practice. Mm-hmm. If, you, if we, like uh, this bacterium, are forced to react to every stimuli exactly as, uh, as Vedna commands, mm-hmm. then I, we would have to say that Vedna is the true self. Yep, we'd be totally screwed. There'd but, be no awakening. <laughs> right, but since we don't have to, then now the self, uh, if it exists, re- mm-hmm. withdraws one step back, yep. right? That's so we have correct. to look a little bit deeper to see if there's a, a self, which leads us to... What do we got next here? 